Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moff Talk and delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly in bi-weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley. Hi. Jake, that's me, and Isaac. Hey. <laughs> that is not what he sounds like. Hey. The purpose of that was to say what we sound like, but you put on a fake voice. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That was Isaac. I got confused because I didn't know who you were. But yes, we are doing a podcast. We're so excited to be doing a podcast. So excited. It's fine. We have been talking about doing this for two years. For two years. Before The Force Awakens come out. Come out. <laughs> Before Force Awakens come out, you, Force. me, talk about podcast. We talk podcast, yes. We talk podcast about. Yes. I wasn't and part of that. I was not invited until two weeks ago. No, we actively We'd like avoided to say hello to Riley. Meet him for the first time. I literally <laughs> don't think I know your last name. <laughs> well, you never will. And we never will because we're not telling you our last names. We're in the witness protection program, <laughs> so we can't legally give anybody our last names, unfortunately. Good bit. Right off the bat. <laughs> Even better execution. <laughs> this is, unfortunately, the podcast. It's the best when you call out the bits. <laughs> yeah. Um it's better than just letting it hang there, which uh, it was. But we're going to go around here. What is this, Isaac? What are we doing right now? Um, we are. This is a delicately curated, long-form discussion <laughs> of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic, believe it or not, brought to you lovingly in bi-weekly increments, mind you, by what? the loquacious... Mm-hmm. Yet soothing voices of your host, Riley. I said this already. Jake. What? And Isaac. <laughs> <laughs> How long did you spend on thesaurus.com <laughs> coming up with funny words? Fun. I only had to look up loquacious. I, I've been, I've had these in the holster for a long time. To make sure you knew a what long that time. Meant. Long time. Long time. So this show is just us uh, laboriously referencing Star Wars, and now it's over. Goodbye. Uh, no, we're gonna go around, and this is a Star Wars podcast. We don't know what it really is yet. This is us discovering what the podcast is about. Really, we're going to be kind of going and discovering this along with the audience. I would say mm-hmm. we just we just really knew there was a hole in Star Wars. We needed three <laughs> young white guys to sit around and talk about Star Wars because there's not That's enough right. of that. We looked out at the podcasting landscape and we only saw maybe one or two thousand Star Wars podcasts hosted right. by sweaty white people. Right, and we said, "Where's the one thousandth and first podcast? One thousand second, right?" <laughs> We had uh, the possibility of having women on the podcast. We said no. That's we, there's, there's too many. There's one in the room. There, there's one no. in the room. We are unnamed. forbidding her to speak. <laughs> <laughs> She's been begging us to come on the podcast for a long time. Long time. <laughs> so this is unfortunately still the podcast. And I think what we're going to do first is we're rejected gonna... names for the podcast. Unfortunately, <laughs> the podcast. So we're going to go around and we're just going to kind of briefly, I think, go into our Star Wars history and then we're gonna get into the bulk of the show which i think is going to be a discussion of episode one the phantominus <laughs> the, the random menace that's <laughs> that's right <laughs> yeah um so riley once you get us started what what is your history with star wars starting with the day you were born well the day i was Go. born uh I, I was actually born the day a new hope came out is that true no absolutely not <laughs> i was born 11 years after that in you 1988 a lot younger than that. yeah okay. you were born you went back into the womb for 11 years like i, I got it i, I knew it better guys <laughs> 
I hear in 11 years, there's going to be a much better reason to come out of this womb. No, I, I probably saw the original trilogy when I was six or seven. My parents had me watch it. So I was a fan, but I did not become a huge fan of Star Wars until 99 and The Phantom Menace came out. And it was the greatest movie I ever saw. I do not hold all day. those. To the, I don't hold all those opinions. End of discussion. Still. Oh, but um, oh yes, that's what really. And then I bought every book and every toy and every video game. Unrelated to Star Wars. Unrelated to Star Wars. Just every book that you could every find. Every book that I could find. No, yeah. just every Star Wars book. The terrible which most of the old EU is terrible. but um, Hot takes right Hot take already, yeah, know, everybody. Already. But we currently I, had to put on oven mitts before you said that. Grandpa's talking <laughs> about some hot takes already. But I read it all, regardless of quality. And uh, then I got older and didn't read as much. And then Disney bought Star Wars, and I started reading everything again. Yeah. Very good. And, and there's and to this day you read. <laughs> I still I still know how to haven't read. seen Force Awakens or Rogue no, One. I just read all the books. <laughs> the novelization though, you're a big fan of. Yes. That's the unique yeah. perspective that Riley brings to this you're show. You're not a visual fan. <laughs> no. When no, a, hey, when a actually, picture is in motion. I'm actually blind. <laughs> yes, we should mention that. Um that's why he wanted to do a podcast so yep. badly. He's like, look, I can't look at Star Wars. This is kind of a blind interview if you think about it. That's it's true. true. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I just lied about so much stuff. I'm not blind. Most of this podcast is lying. <laughs> None of this is real, just disclaimer. But I do love Star Wars. That is also true. Yes. Isaac, hey. tell us about Star Wars. Star Wars. Well, uh, like Riley, I was born in 1977. <laughs> but this time, I actually went back into the womb for 14 years. <laughs> it emerged 1991, the glorious... Your mother, Year of our Lord. For a long time, was just a very angry woman. <laughs> it was it was bad. It was real bad. She was constantly uncomfortable. Swatting my head every and day. Irritated. She knew that you could come out of there. She really was. I was I was in high school by the time I came out. She was yelling at you and banging on your bedroom door before I was you were like, born. Get out of the womb. Get a job. <laughs> I got my first job actually in 1991. Is that born. True? Go home from the hospital. Get a job. That's at amazing. Lucasfilm. So that's that's kind of my Star Wars story, oh, really. Wow. I'm one of those people who I've always kind of like Star Wars has always been part of my consciousness. I got kind of into it. My parents took me to see the special editions when they came out in the theaters in 97. And then when those came out on video, I remember my uncle bought me like the trilogy box set special edition. And I was pretty excited about that. So I just did what kids of that day did. I just had those in heavy rotation day in, day out. Return of the Jedi was always my favorite because that was the happy one. As I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for uh, episodic discussions, but I, I always thought like if, little kid Isaac, if I had to distill my opinions into like one sentence for all of them, like episode four was the boring one, episode five was the sad one, and episode six was the happy one. And so therefore, do as you do. You dress up as Luke Skywalker, swing your lightsaber around and follow along with the lightsaber fights. And then so, yeah, got really into that. And then I heard there was going to be more Star Wars and that was great. So I saw episode one. And it was fantastic, and I like Star Wars. That's it's a fantastic menace for you. It, it was rather fantastic <laughs> menace, episode one. I also kind of did what Riley did. I, I read a lot of the books, and those were of varying quality. But Disney bought Lucasfilm. I don't really have a specific memory of Disney buying Lucasfilm. I, I've heard other podcasts kind of talk about, oh, I was here when Disney bought Lucasfilm. I really was just generally aware of it. 
<laughs> but yeah, Disney vibes Lucasfilm. I get excited. I see TFA. I get more excited. I see Rogue One. I get excited. So that that's going to be the general theme, I guess. I of our discussion so far, I find myself probably to be the most forgiving of any faults of Star Wars slash George Lucas, anything else like that. I'm I'm a bit of an apologist. So, so my history with Star Wars uh, is equally uninteresting. I I'm just kidding. That's offensive. I um. My biggest memory is that uh, I was kind of a sick kid. I was always in and out of the hospital when I was young. And the I remember one of my first like gifts that I really remember getting was the special edition trilogy. And back in the day, like the hospital there, I had like VHS players in all the rooms. So that was kind of part of our, our go bag that we had. It was having the uh, original trilogy there. So I remember that was always a, like that was kind of comfort food for me. Well, that was kind of a security blanket was Star Wars. I would also eat of course, the VHS tapes, <laughs> along with other comfort foods. I didn't really watch the movies. Star Wars is really the green bean casserole of VHS tapes. <laughs> I don't when know who you that's comforting to at all, but uh, <laughs> that's another podcast entirely. But yeah, so that was always, Star Wars has just kind of been, I'm a cynical person, deeply, by nature, but that's Aww. kind of the one, <laughs> this is where we're going to enter some sound effects of a crowd going, uh <laughs> I am um, going to put a little violin behind that whole thing you're saying, <laughs> when you're like, I'm in and out of the hospital, there's going to be a violin there. <laughs> I barely made it out alive, guys, but what <laughs> saved me was, was Star Wars. No, that's not true. But, um, yeah, that was just kind of always Star Wars for me was just something that was that was not a cynical thing. That was always the thing that to be excited about and to kind of not let cynicism seep in. So I tried to approach Star Wars from a happy place. And like you guys, the first one that I have a really strong memory of seeing in theaters is The Phantom Menace. That was my first new Star Wars movie. So like you guys, it was the bomb. And that's why... I guess that's not the only reason why, but that's why we're going to talk about the Phantom Menace. That first, we're going to talk about it episodically. Talking about episode one episodically. We're going to talk about episode one from one to seven. <laughs> seven minutes. We're going to only talk about the first seven minutes. We're, of this episode. we're going to fan edit the Phantom Menace into seven parts <laughs> and then watch them and tell you what what we had. And that's not. the only way I watch the Phantom Menace is fan edits. Those guys know what's going on. Uh, not true. How do I, I feel about fan edits? Let's just episode one. I fan edits. We, I've never seen one. I attempted to watch one and I found it insipid and irritating. <laughs> if if fan edit is your jazz, then so be it. But yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's no, yeah. No. If fan edits are your jazz, then I am Emma Stone to your Ryan Gosling. La La Land. That's right. In theaters, there's going to be a kind of a sub podcast happening where I just talk about La La Land at any opportunity mm-hmm. because I'm also, as we've established, a boring white person. <laughs> Ran off La La, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we should probably establish, I think, um, what our general feelings are on the prequels. What we want to talk about kind of as we go through this is how the series holds up as a numerical saga, if it works, basically. Does episode one work as episode one? There are head... Gestures head from gestures. certain members of the podcasting table. Grandma not, head gestures right off the bat. <laughs> I won't spile, spile or spoil whose grandma head gestures that I was. I won't spile a whole pile. <laughs> These are the kind of jokes that uh, we will absolutely keep in. These are the delicately curated lawn form <laughs> jokes. <laughs> Please don't say it again. <laughs> Please don't say it again. That's a threat to all of our listeners. <laughs> At any point, we may force you to endure that intro all we over may. again. We've already heard it twice today. I'm now going to reintroduce <laughs> the idea of talking about 
the prequels, and I think that we should have Riley go first. What, what's your general consensus on on the prequels? Because I don't know if you've noticed this, mm-hmm. but there's some people out there, and it's not a tired. Um, thing to rehash at all that don't think the prequels are very good. What? Yes, I know. That's crazy. I know. It's Some people find it tiresome to talk about. I say, let's really bring it up again and act like it's a new conversation. <laughs> I think that the prequels... Let me just say, if I ever have a kid, <laughs> I will... What are the chances looking like for you right now? Oh, real slim. Real slim. Um, what reason? Medical? <laughs> <laughs> That's for, that's for episode kids? two of the podcast. <laughs> oh. Um, no, I, I will never start anyone off on the prequels for the basic fact of, I guess if you get to a certain age and you don't know the twist in Empire Stri- Strikes Back, then where have you been? Probably not around right. me. But it it the fact that you know episode one immediately spoils who Luke's father is. When that's a, a very big part of the original trilogy, I think. Um, I I would never start someone on the prequel trilogy. I don't like the prequel trilogy, I'm probably going to say. Mm. Which I know that's, <laughs> that's, I know, controversial for someone to say that. I haven't heard a lot of people express this feeling. I, I'm going to let you go. You could be it. the first person I've talked to personally <laughs> that has any sort of negative feelings on the prequel. Have you ever thought about having really lengthy, kind of tiresome videos explaining why they're not Yeah, I've, I'm, I, that's exactly what I'm going to do after this. <laughs> I'm going to record one of those. Um, no, I, I don't think they're very good movies, but I still find myself watching them a lot yeah um the only one that i would say spoilers that i don't like Skip at ahead all 15 seconds is probably attack of the clones i just every time i watch that i just can't find anything that i like about it this one that we uh phantom menace i think is my favorite of the prequels um and i don't know if that's just mostly nostalgia talking because i loved it so much when it came out or it's kind of self-contained compared to the other ones. It's almost to the point of I don't know if it needed to exist just because it, you know the ten-year jump you have after it. It didn't really serve much purpose to have this episode, but I do think it is my favorite of the prequels. Interesting, Isaac. I what are your feelings about the prequels? <laughs> <laughs> I we uh. You're about to see the balance of the dark side and the light. If, in this yes, if if my uh, if my opinions are a messy trash bag, this is where the Lucasfilm apologist starts to seep out of the bottom. Just the the three day old pea soup just kind of dripping across the floor as you're taking it out to the trash can. That's a good slogan for this podcast so far: is three day old pea soup leaking out of the bottom. That's of the been trash delicately can. curated. <laughs> Okay, so this is... I still love the prequels. Still love... I, I never really had a prequel lull or a period where I thought I didn't like the Did prequels. Did you have a prequel La La Land? A prequel... <laughs> Do you like La La Land? No. Okay. <laughs> Are we supposed to like La La Land? We can end the podcast right now if you don't. We can watch La La Land right now. Let's pause the podcast. We're going to come back in an hour and 45 minutes, and we're going to just just know that in that time... We watch La La Land. We will not edit this out, so just wait for an hour 45 right. minutes. Right. So just hit the fit forward 15-second button until your thumb almost develops arthritis. Who's going to do the math how many times yet? But, okay, so here's... I am not a cinephile. I'm not... I 
love Star Wars more than anything else in pop culture by a long shot, but I do not consider myself that hardcore of a film fan necessarily. And so I've never been one to assess the quality of movies from a very critic. I mean, if that makes me a bumpkin, then so be it. But that's just kind of... That's always kind of where I've come from. We kind of found you in a cornfield, didn't we? Isn't that where we found you before you were on this podcast? I was just naked with a pair of overalls next to me. I I was such a pumpkin, the overalls aren't even on my body. You had one very comically large tooth right in the (laughs) middle of your gums. 4,000 clicks, I think, with your thumb. I was doing that math in my head. Oh, boy. Time. This is what Riley brings to the show. I wasn't paying attention to what you said. I'm sorry. He just got math. finished picking up a bunch of toothpicks off the floor I mean, when he said that. Head cannon, more like head math from this guy. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> but, yeah, I uh, when I'm watching a movie, like, sometimes the quality of the, of the filmmaking itself is, like, the last thing I'm looking at on my list. And so whenever, whispered that. whenever I hear criticism of the prequels as far as the quality of the filmmaking is concerned that's mostly just white noise to me like all i see are the pretty pictures i have always enjoyed the prequels more so recently and when i think of them in terms of more like uh, a shakespearean tragedy where you had plays like romeo and juliet where in the first lines of the play you are told the ending of that play but that play has stood the test of time it's accepted as like it's 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 a quintessential like modern story that holds up and i'm not going to say the prequels are on the level of romeo and juliet or the best of shakespeare but when you read it that way just write it down on a piece of paper and slide it to me on the table (laughs) yes in much the pantomiming style of uh our co-host riley (laughs) (laughs) we do really well at visual bits here on this podcast (laughs) if you were here guys Video podcast coming 2019. But um, yeah, looking at it as like a, a three-act Shakespearean play and kind of viewing The Phantom Menace as more of like a prologue to the events of the, the Star Wars saga. Well, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. I've got some things to say on that That's particular subject. Great. But yeah, I, I like the prequels. And I like most things Star Wars. As, if it's on the screen, presented in film format, I'm probably going to like it a lot. So I'm not going to add too much nuance to this discussion, so I can probably just dip out now. <laughs> and he really did just leave the room. I, sorry, we, I really did. <laughs> he took the microphone with him. I'm but, glad uh... that he did. He's, he got on his tractor. <laughs> He's riding it very slowly back to his cornfield. I'm like the field representative of this podcast, really. A literal field. I love farming. <laughs> he won't why stop they, talking uh, about it. Why did the farmer win an award? Because he was outstanding in his field. Oh, boy. We can edit any of this out, but he is the editor, so I have a feeling it's going to stay right in there. Farming. That one's staying in. ask me. I'm Grandma balking at that joke. Hey, Grandma Jakin, what what do you think of the prequels? Hey, oh, I I have written up a dissertation that I'm going to read right now. No, I am uh, also a fan of, of the prequels, and I am a film fan. Um, Look out. And yeah, I'm going to read you a list of films that I like right now. But I I do love the prequels, and I it was kind of weird. Like, Star Wars for me is something I was really into for a long time. After Episode 3 came out, I saw it in the theater one time, and I never watched it again <laughs> until, like, five years ago. Five years ago, I was like, you know, I haven't watched Star Wars in a really long time, and I went to um, Half Price Books. I my goal was to just buy all of the Star Wars prequels because those were the only ones that I didn't already own, 
and the only one they had was like 18 copies of Attack of the Clones. So that's the only one I bought. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I watched it, and I became kind of obsessed with this movie. I was like, this is... I, I, I became very interested in it. I recognized I had a lot of flaws, but I was like, there's something about this movie that I can't stop watching over and over again. And now I'm uh, an insane person. I lock myself mm. in my room, and I peed in jars for a long time. And grew a beard. Peed in jar and, jars. Uh, killed myself. <laughs> That's Star and, Wars. <laughs> no, but basically my feeling is very much the same as you. I really love these movies, but I think I love them sometimes for different reasons than you, which is kind of weird. But I, I do really like them as films. I think that there's a lot of things that don't quite work, but I am a big fan of the ideas behind them. And I think that a lot of the perceived flaws, there is intention behind them and whether or not they click for you on an emotional level is a different story and I think that's what it mainly comes down to I think that there are objective flaws in all the Star Wars movies and there are uh, pluses but I think it all comes down to whether or not it works for you and it kind of resonates for you and these movies do and to get into the discussion you mentioned something that I was going to bring up mm. about episode one um, <clears throat> the Brandon the, the what? Venice. <laughs> the Brandon Fennel we're really going to work on these uh, bits by episode two. We're gonna, I'm not. They're going to be finally, no, delicately curated. <laughs> Coming to a podcast near you. But I was, um, back, front to back. I sat my little tookus down, and I read a book, and it was called J.W. Rinsler's Making a Star Wars. Wiggled your but, fanny into a seat. And, and I really do have to do that, <laughs> because there's not a lot of seats that can accommodate a non-wiggled my fanny. You're really like a Lego person. You just got to like wiggle <laughs> into the slot that you've, I have, you've installed on all of your chairs in your I house. have two concave holes on my butt cheeks that I have to specifically craft every chair to fit into them if I'm going to stay in that chair. Is that why you're in the time. hospital so much as a child? Yeah, my parents were very abusive. <laughs> They took out a cookie cutter in this in the shape of a of a, a cylinder, and they said, "Son, you're going to be our little Lego." And I said, "Oh, I like Legos." Any parents at all? Three hospital trips later, in a DVD set, I'm crying every night trying to fit into my bed. Um, no, wait a minute. I was talking about Star Wars. Um, this book, <laughs> The Making of Empire Strikes Back, I think is the book that contains it, but it, it has a lot of documents um, from Lucasfilm archives. Basically, the reason why I bring it up is because it, it, there's this document. It's almost like written on a piece of notebook paper that George Lucas wrote out. And it was kind of a rough sketch he had of how he wanted the saga of Star Wars to be organized. And um, Star Wars had just come out, and so that was the only film. But he had asserted that it was kind of the middle of a longer series. That was something that he had talked about in interviews before. And so this document has his initial idea of how might this saga fit together. And the way it went was episode one was a prelude or a prologue. Episodes two, three, and four were the Clone Wars trilogy. Episode five was Star Wars. And then, I'm sorry, I messed up. After the Clone Wars trilogy was an interlude, there was going to be a movie that was just called Interlude, and then Star Wars, and then Empire, and then, and then Jedi. So, I say that because I think that the way that Phantom Menace really works as a movie is as a prologue of Star Wars as a whole, developing not just the kind of visual language of the series, the themes of the series, but also like the musical themes. This is where a lot of the musical themes of Star Wars are kind of established in little bits and are expanded in the rest of the movies. And that's how episode one really works as a film for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you get like, it's when you view it as a prologue or like a snapshot in time, 
the last moments that you see the galaxy in the state it was, presumably for generations before that, it you kind of get the impression that after I'd have to look at like the old EU timeline after like the Sith war like mandalorian war so something a couple thousand years before that it's almost like when the dust settled from that the galaxy kind of fell into a, a kind of a comfort zone you have the jedi council which i think we might talk about a little bit more and more they slowly are getting more dogmatic a little bit more set in their ways a little bit more okay with kind of bending to the wills of the senate kind of and then the senate is they're getting steeped in bureaucracy it's a uh, George Lucas, once again, he's always said that like this kind of follows the beats of real life. And anytime you see uh, a long, prosperous government slowly start to fall, it is when they start to get in that comfort zone. And you start, just like with you, like you, you, you let yourself go and you start eating more and more. And eventually you get type Me specifically, I have become a real problem. Jacob chairs gets anymore. type 2 diabetes because you just sit on your, your Lego butt cheeks and <laughs> eat and eat and eat. But yeah, yeah, this is the last little moment that we get to see the galaxy in the state it was for so long before that. And we see those little seeds planted at the very end where the wheels are set in motion for the Phantom Menace to slowly take over. And a lot of people don't know about that post credit scene where you see Yoda go out and he has these two little seeds in his hands. Eating shawarma. And there's a large... <laughs> he goes and eats his shawarma. And it's hilarious because, can you imagine? And then he goes out in the field and he, for two hours, it's longer than the actual movie. There's a scene of him planting a tree and you watch it grow for about six hours. And those are the seeds you were talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You may not have seen it, guys. <laughs> Real fans know about it. Real fans. I think these are great ideas. And Uh-oh. I think it would have been awesome if um if I if I if I felt that way. Like I I get that what he I get what he was trying to do, give you a snapshot of Star Wars. But I think A New Hope does that. And I don't really see the point going back 22 years later and trying to do that with The Phantom Menace. I don't I think at that point you got to try something new instead of using the script that you had from, you know, 20 years ago. I don't I don't think it accomplishes what he was setting out to do. I'm going to be the downer of this whole thing and here yeah, I am. It's interesting I I, how I long a single Wars. person can be. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's it is. Ways two against one, I feel very confident yeah, I know. frankly. I, yeah. I I did not realize I would be alone in my opinion here and I feel uh, personally attacked. <laughs> And we are, you can't hear This is a podcast. delicately curated long-form attack. <laughs> We've been stabbing him repeatedly with knives yeah, underneath uh, the it, table. It hurts. Yeah. Pantomime really stabs hurts. with a pencil. <laughs> and doing it to his actual legs. <laughs> yeah, they, I, I'm in pain. And the pain will continue for a very long time because we are going to... Because I have to watch Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah. Hey! Hey. Oh, no. <laughs> Boy, am I going to really have a lot to say on that one. Um, <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, so let's... We start off, I mean, listen, the movie is called Star Wars. It starts off with the word Star Wars on the screen. That's a pretty good start. And then kind of a bang. Yeah. So far, we're on a good. No wars, though. We're rolling. So no far, wars. no wars. Yeah. And Lots of taxes. We just got stars. We got stars. We zoomed down. We're all stars. We got other kinds of stars. We got In the Dome Show. Jason. We got Ewan McGregor. A lot of people have criticized the kind of slow opening to this. When we say a lot of people throughout this podcast, can we just say Riley from now on? <laughs> no, I have no, not literally a lot yeah, of people. I have not criticized slow. I'm okay with slow. A lot of people that exist in humanity have criticized it that I have heard on YouTube, so they have to be right. How do I reconcile this with my enjoyment of the movie? Um, no, so the, the opening of the movie starts, and it's a little kind of slow and ominous, and there's these two hooded figures 
coming on and um, a lot of people I just scratched the table and sounded like a fart so if you hear that on the mic <laughs> I swear it was me farting it, it was Isaac farting <laughs> I swear on my life I swear that um, you know what we didn't talk about how do you feel about the um, ring theory stuff because that would assert that this is kind of a mirror of the beginning of oh, I'm complete tinfoil hat on that I don't even care I love ring theory he put it on just now in the first like 20 minutes of this movie we're in a spaceship and then we are in a lightsaber battle and then we are in an underwater city we're in a fort like in the first 20 minutes we're in so many different places there's like just creativity kind of bursting at the seams in this movie and that's kind of what i like about this opening it starts off kind of ominously but within five minutes there's a lightsaber fight in this movie and i think it's a good one yeah going back and talking to seven-year-old isaac about this movie the thing I really liked when I first saw The Phantom Menace is probably what I think turned off a lot of people at first. I remember hearing a lot of older people maybe say, like, this didn't feel like Star Wars. It felt a lot different. And I held that same feeling. But the thing is, like, at that age, I don't think I had, like, the cognitive ability to really say, like, this isn't Star Wars. I just kind of accepted them at their word that this is Star Wars. But this is, like, super different and the sounds and the ships and the people and the characters. You have Obi-Wan Kenobi, who you knew from before, but he looks completely different so many years younger. And so you're in a completely different place, but it's still Star Wars. And it is like, you're just, for me, I was holding on for dear life. And it was, (laughs) (laughs) I was in a crashing plane watching this for the first time. (laughs) The the show Lost was based on your experience. It really was. (laughs) I crashed. We have to go back. And that Dave Matthews album was based off of you. <laughs> Into me. <laughs> what would you say, Jake? <laughs> um, Riley, how do you feel about the um, like the opening of this movie, this uh, Trade Federation ship? Um, I like a slow opening. I don't need I don't need action right out the gate. Yeah. Um, so I was a little disappointed. That there was action almost right out the gate. Mm. I could have handled a little more. You were uh, opening for like the Tree of Life. I could have. Yes, yes. That's <laughs> someday I'm gonna get the the Star Wars Tree of Life. Um, I've never seen that. I don't know if that's funny. I have, and it was, was. that a funny joke? I can confirm it was funny. Okay. Is um, that based on the movie poster for laughing. Big Fish? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think for me, what as as an older person. When it first came out, I was kind of in the same boat as Isaac. I didn't. I I had watched Star Wars, but I didn't really have an idea of what Star Wars should be. So I was okay with this movie. Now watching it, I, it's just the the fact that you have um, two Jedi in their robes uh, immediately, just like Obi Wan always wore. That kind of rubs me the wrong way. Hmm. I know that's a really little nitpicky thing, but I'm just like. It seems to me that it's like a little too cute to you that he has the same robes. Well, not that he has the same robes; they're probably different robes. They did get all wet and moldy going down to the Gungan City, you know. Presumably, <laughs> presumably. But no, just the fact that it feels to me almost like saying, "Hey, do you remember a New Hope? Remember how Obi Wan dressed? That's how uh, all Jedi dress." Are you trying to say the Phantom Menace was just a copy of a New Hope? I'm not. No, that's <laughs> no. No, I'm not going to say that. And 40 I'm, reasons why the Phantom Menace is a ripoff of A New Hope. Can we not talk about that? I love The Force Awakens so much. We also love it. I know, it. I know, I know. I'm just like, I hate, I don't care if it was similar. I like it so much. Okay, anyway, that's for Let's another episode. break down episode. that movie. That's instead. for another episode. Let's start the next episode right now. Why do we love TFA? <laughs> 
Grand Moff Tarkin, delicately curated. Nope. Shh, 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 no. <laughs> um, what what you were saying in the beginning about how this is kind of um, a, a prologue and a snapshot of what Star Wars is, I feel like it's really just, hey, do you remember Star Wars? Here, when you when you do the prequel, after you do A New Hope, oh man, he's giving me the dirtiest of looks. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable finishing this sentence because of that dirty look. What are you trying to say? I rubbed dirt out. all over my face. <laughs> and just stared at my normal face. But Thanks for bringing that dirt so in So here's, here's kind of what I'm talking about with this kind of yes. prologue stuff. So the f- opening lines of the movie, which maybe is a little, maybe Riley thinks is a little too precious, but uh, no. <laughs> I have a bad feeling about this. And, and says, I do. I don't st- he says, I don't sense anything. And then Obi-Wan says... It's not the mission. It's something elsewhere elusive. And that kind of, that little bit of dialogue about the fact that there is this greater threat that's just kind of lurking in the background is why I like this movie a lot. The, the Phantom Menace, to me, is like, like even the title refers to so much. It refers to the fact that there is this menace, not just of Darth Maul, but of like fate. Like there is this terrible fate that is looming over this entire series. And it's looming, and every all the little pieces are getting set up, and it's about to all kind of come crashing down. And I, I like that line of dialogue as almost like the opening notes of a symphony or something. Let's, Just to sound let's smart. Let's talk about John Williams. <laughs> no. Not a fan. Never liked it. <laughs> we should talk about John Williams. Because, uh, yeah, just this is a, a sidebar, and I've heard him talk about it, and even other podcasters talk about how he talks it better than they can. And I know he can talk about it better than we can, but listening to someone like David Collins, just him opening, me personally, my eyes to so much about the mu- the music of Star Wars and with The Phantom Menace, a movie that has a lot of on-the-surface music that sounds uplifting, cheery, even, has sort of innocence to it. But when you really break it down, you see that there's these kind of dark qualities to it. And even the last song of the movie, how it's children singing the Emperor's theme in a major key. Just yeah. little details like that. It is like it, Obi-Wan kind of sets the tone for the entire movie in that way. And it is it, it is like it's... We talked about the whole snapshot of the galaxy thing once again. And you see like so, someplace beautiful like Naboo... And you see how like it's it's daylight and Coruscant when we get there, and it's it's a it's a bright movie. Like I, when you think of the movies in terms of like colors, I always remember thinking of the Phantom Menace as like a very bright movie. Obviously, Revenge of the Sith and Empire is kind of dark movies in their color palettes, but really there is there's something like Obi Wan said, elusive. There's something beneath the surface that kind of looms to the Phantom Menace, and I do like it's. It's a movie for me. Every time I watch it, I like it a little bit more. Like a Radiohead album, <laughs> to, to say. We're going to kind of have an ongoing podcast within this podcast where we just kind of talk about how great Radiohead is. Favorite album? <laughs> no. Pablo uh, Honey. <laughs> <laughs> so Riley's wrong. Oh, so you no, had something no, to say. I did, because I agree with you about everything John Williams did and how he cl- connects a lot of threads and is masterful in his callbacks and um, and I don't think George Lucas did the same. I think the soundtracks are perfect, and they do exact, especially after listening to David Collins talk about it. Um, I'm a huge fan, by the way. I feel like I come on the show. Like I didn't like him, but absolutely, <laughs> no, David no, Collins. he's, Please he's come awesome. On the show. It was, Why not? Just it, and and it is amazing the way like some of the things that I learned from listening to him talk about it is amazing. And I don't think that the uh, the things you see 
do the same thing as the things you hear. Can I say things a few more times? Things. Go things. Yes. We should all go around and just I say it one more time. I think my word has been snapshot so far. Riley has said things. And, <laughs> and I've just I said way things. too much. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Welcome to the podcast. Burn on Burn me. I'm off talking a little too much for my taste. <laughs> Get used to it. Um, they- <laughs> Are we going to go through and talk about this movie, though? Because overall, it sounds like I really hate this movie, and I don't hate this movie. No, no, we're going to talk about scenes I that I am talk- sure that you like. Because there are a lot. I, I have notes. I One have thing, a lot of notes. He here. literally has a notebook. Not a pampa, pampa mime. Not a pampa no mime. No notebook. That is really he has a pampit full of paper. I, I actually wrote it on some pampers. I only had diapers <laughs> laying around. With a pencil. Which he's already he established he's not going to have a baby, so the fact that he has them is a little distressing. Well, let's not talk about my personal life, please. I actually think we should talk about it a lot more, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, the, um, Next episode, tune in. There, I, I do want to talk about something, yeah, if yes, I please. can interrupt, oh, as you, I you have may. been doing the entire time. Um, That's <laughs> um, I want to talk about from a filmmaking standpoint. Okay. I think that... <laughs> as he twiddles his fingers and licks Riley, his lips. Riley, if he was... A, he's a cartoon thermometer slowly raising as a whistle goes off. Um, no, so the the staging of this, of this lightsaber fight that happens, and maybe we could talk which about... Are you, which one are you, which so lightsaber fight about, are you talking about? So I'm talking about... The battle droids at the beginning? Um, that's what I'm talking about. Okay. So th- that's um, what I'm talking about. And maybe as... Hey, that's what I'm Grand Moff talking about. <laughs> maybe we should, that's as we... <laughs> Wait a minute. That's that's true. Maybe we should kind of rank these lightsaber fights, by the way, as we go. Kind of keep it in mind, and eventually we can kind of rank them in our heads. But this is not a it's not a great fight itself. That sounds like a the, great BuzzFeed podcast. <laughs> that's really what I'm kind of working towards is a BuzzFeed <laughs> career. I want to write a f- um, every plot hole in the Last Jedi article. Number seven. Before it comes out? Number seven yes. will shock you. <laughs> I already wrote my review before Star I went Wars into the theater. Star Wars 7 will shock you. <laughs> Now, anyway, so the, the way this fight is staged, I think, is really great. Um, the way that the like the the battle droids storm in front of this door, the music starts rising, gas starts filtering in the room, the troops are going in there, the music's rising, the doors open, gas starts billowing out, and then kind of a laugh as the droid walks out instead. Like, and P-U. then you TC fourteen, <laughs> please. Not, not the droid TC fourteen. She has a name. TC fourteen at your service. And then to have the lightsabers like be the glowing thing in the mist before you even see them is great. I just love the way that is all staged and the kind of revelation of the uh, main theme of Star Wars is really cool. I just wanted to talk about that. That's a fa- that's a highlight for me. It's fine. Yeah, it's not that great. Sorry, we can cut all that out. It's great. Um, anyway, well, as a kid though, I never really seen a Jedi. I guess you'd seen Luke Skywalker like take on Jabba's skiff guards and return of the Jedi. But I, I don't know, just the the way that special effects had progressed by the time the Phantom Menace came, I mean, there was no real like staging that you had to do to like make it look like he was hitting somebody when really they were just flailing backwards while he hit somewhere near them. But you see like the CGI <laughs> which you can actually oh see slicing lightsabers through battle droids. The the battle makes sense spatially in a very close proximity it i liked it as a child it, it was it was one of those first things that felt different but i accepted it and i thought it was really cool i also like from a world building point of view the fact that the battle droids are kind of hilariously inept and that the first battle is almost like a joke like the tc14 voiced by leslie what's her face <laughs> lindsey duncan comes out leslie what's her face <laughs> lindsey vaughn olympic skier <laughs> lindsey buckingham comes out and the 
and then like the fight itself is just kind of like comically easy. But then the guy is Master Destroyers. The the droidicas roll out. I remember thinking we're just gonna we need to move past just our memories of watching this as a kid. But those still I think are one of the cooler um, like alien slash robot designs that we've seen in Star Wars is those rolling robots. And to to nitpick slightly the sequel trilogy, the kind of thing that I want to see more of is more kind of like weird robots that we've never seen before. That's what I like about the prequels. It's kind of a lot of new designs. Well, they Great I guess we're done. Uh, they died. <laughs> no, they have a they have a cool design. Um, I have no problems. You thought I was going to say something negative. I'm no, done, no, I'm no, done no. I think you were wanting to generate a far deeper discussion it's, about this opening action scene yeah, of the Phantom. I, I, don't, I don't know if there's a whole lot to say about it. it no, is, no, no, no. We, we can move on. It is pretty easy for them, um, and I guess I, I waver between whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because, for one, they never really seem in danger from their enemies right. in, in any of the movies unless they're up against the Sith. Um, but for another, if you know the overall story, it would make sense for the Trade Federation and for spoilers Palpatine to not want you know not want that army to be too strong because they have to lose in the end the trade federation has to lose right eventually. talking Palpatine that's going to be another one of the things I'll, I'll probably get into more as this goes on I Old Palpatine Palpy. Palpatine's plan is probably my favorite element of possibly the saga as a whole but definitely the prequels like just Palpatine's plan to take over the galaxy there is nothing that I like more about the prequels than that that wow. is that would keep me up at night thinking about it just the intricacy of the chess match that he was playing. And I do like the idea that it was more of like a chess game rather than a plan that he had like scribbled out start to finish, much like Riley right here. It's like Lex Luthor's plan in yeah. BBS where if any single thing went wrong, the entire movie would fall apart. Yeah, it, it wasn't like it wasn't a house of cards on Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, it was like a chess match where or like the Radiohead song on Hulu. <laughs> Radiohead coming to Hulu this fall. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you can see like, well, if I go here, then, or if you go here, I'll go here. If you go here, then I'll go here. There was a lot of little things you could think about. Well, what if this had happened? What if, what if Padme had been assassinated? What if Anakin would have done this? What if he would have done that? You could see little ways that Palpatine still could have gotten around that. And that is, I, you could tell the thought that was put into that. And that's an element like the movies could have been even worse than some might say they already were, and I would still love them just for the the fact that it was such a well thought out story from the villain's perspective. I only like the opening scene of the Phantom Menace, so I'm going to tap out from here on out. Here's, here's my greatest fear: you guys really like these prequels, and I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to defend myself and maybe end up liking the prequels. But I don't. Uh oh. I don't know if it's going to happen. Shame. Because when you first said you you liked Palpatine's o overall arc in the prequels. I could not have disagreed more because oh. I thought that it was I don't like it. Oh, and, really? and a lot of it doesn't make sense to me. Um because your which, brain's which, too small. Yeah, well obviously. <laughs> yeah. I will admit that. No, just when you get into the whole when you get into the minutiae of uh people like Sifodius and things that are brought up in Attack of the Clones. Yeah. I, I just still at this age, and it is because I am a, a massive idiot. I still no. don't. I still don't understand a lot of his plan. But when you compared it to more of a chess match than a, uh, a Riley planned out talking points <laughs> type of deal, I guess it made more sense to me. 
So maybe I'll end up liking these, but I, I don't count on it. Let's move on from this opening scene. So the we go then to the forest of Naboo. The Fuffa Forest of Naboo. The Fuffa Forest of Naboo. Yes. And how do you feel about a character named Battle Droid Number One? <laughs> uh, I cried when he died. I was so torn up. I had I had a real connection. He's the guy who says, "If they're here, sir, we'll find them." Yeah. No, it's a poor guy. So, Gungan City, I think, is a cool city. I think it's the only thing you really need to say about it. Can I say that <laughs> I want a movie or a comic or a book of like ancient Gungans? Yeah. Hunting some some of those beasts in the ocean because you know they had to go up, up against some of those things. Yeah. That scene oh, yeah. is 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 whatever, but like I want to see a bunch of Gungans throwing spears at some of those giant sea creatures because that would be awesome. Yeah, I think that like what's really a strong point of all these prequel movies and Star Wars in general, but I think the the worlds here are more creative and interesting and how just kind of visually in a couple establishing shots, he's able to establish a whole culture. And you immediately understand what this is and how it works and their role in society is pretty impressive as opposed to like a Star Trek thing where there would be a you know twenty minute exposition of this what is this race of pe- creatures who just look like people with big ears and you know what is their <laughs> nature in society, um, but that's Gungan City is cool. I also think that the um, there's always a bigger fish thing. I always enjoyed that action scene as a kid. I was surprised to find that people don't like that at all, apparently. They don't like that entire never, sequence. It was never my favorite either, but I kind of like the symbolism now that you can kind of see that it presents to the larger saga as a whole. Like, would you view that as, like, the, the political unrest that's that's coming up? And mm-hmm. really the Phantom Menace that is the biggest fish. <laughs> you and you McGregor was in fish. Big Fish and the Phantom Menace. O.M. <laughs> We're cracking the code over here. This is like based the on code the of tree movies. of life. Big fish was based. <laughs> that's jokes. Okay. Okay, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, Let's no, keep I, going. I got going. nothing wrong with that scene. So, around this time is when we're introduced to Queen Amidala. Um, how do you feel about this conceit of the movie? This is something that's never worked for me, and I'm a fan <laughs> of this movie. But this entire thing of like the queen. Uh, of uh, Padme and Kira Knightley changing identities constantly. Unnecessary. It doesn't work for me. I don't. I never understood what that was accomplishing, other than like the in actual life that that would make sense to do to hide your identity. That makes sense, but in, from a it movie makes sense standpoint, in, in episode two, right? Exactly. Yeah, Corday did her job. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit conspicuous though. When every costume changes, you putting on the loudest outfit conceived by <laughs> humanity. <laughs> I do love, I mean, the costume design in this movie is amazing, if completely impractical. (laughs) Yeah. I think we should also talk about, what do you think of Natalie Portman's performance in this movie? Because I have a hot take, which is that I think that she is the problem with this movie. Uh, I think that she was meant to be a Leia-type character that was kind of spunky and was kind of sarcastic, and I don't think that she did that at all, and I think that she just kind of flatly better lines like this all the time and it was just I think that it killed a lot of the what would have been fun moments here's my hot take ooh I think Keira Knightley should have been Padme Amidala that's probably accurate (laughs) I think 
I think uh, Natalie Portman, please come on the show. But I think that she has a she has a tendency. Academy Award winning actress <laughs> Natalie Portman. I think she has a tendency to check out of movies that she's not interested in. Uh, does she not like at, any movie she's ever in? I, no, she does. She wins. She wins Oscars for movies she likes. It has but, to be good um, then. If she's but the, win an Oscar. the Thor movies, oh, I think she checked yeah. out of. And I That's think she true. checked out of these. If not, it may, I don't know. I think she might have been into this one and just maybe didn't give a great performance. But in episode yeah. two and episode three, I think she was done being in Star Wars movies, and it kind of shows through. Yeah. And I don't blame her for being done with those movies. Huh? I don't, <laughs> don't want to say that she, I guess I shouldn't say that she's the problem. But I think that when I – that's the it's a thing that sticks out to me now when I watch it. I was like, I think that was supposed to be like a laugh line, and she didn't say it that way. Mm-hmm. Um not that she's the only problem with the movie because there probably are more that we will get to. And I, th- I think it's a well-known fact that George Lucas is uh, not a great character director. Absolutely. And it, and it shows through on a lot because there's, there's a lot of little moments that I wish um, mm-hmm. the characters were more human. When Obi-Wan says his, his little joke, well, Master, the negotiations were short. It's clever. It's not the funniest joke, but I would have loved a cut to Qui-Gon smiling at that. But it just cuts from Obi-Wan saying that to nothing. And there's lots of little moments all throughout, especially this movie, where uh, people don't seem like real people. They seem like they're there to advance the plot and to say this line so that we can move on to this next scene. And, And I want more humanizing moments. Am I, am I allowed to talk sports for a second? Can Absolutely. Oh, Can we talk boy. about that Greg Popovich running down the tunnel? <laughs> I saw you retweet it. It was really funny. Oh, th- I <laughs> retweeted it too. Follow me on Twitter, guys. <laughs> At my I put down my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk sports. Okay, okay so this is this is kind of where I came from. In, in Just like in, especially in like college football, if our listeners aren't familiar with college football, it's a game played on grass traditionally, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> But yeah, you That's know, all you need to know. <laughs> especially in college football, teams will run different offenses. You know, you have like the the triple option, you have the the spread, you have the spread option, you have the air raid, and you have like quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and even some of the linemen who are recruited to play in a specific type of offense. A certain body type, a certain skill set is suited to a certain type of offense. So you wouldn't get like a six-five pocket passer, pocket passer to run your triple option. You would want a shorter guy who was a little bit quicker. Jacob Good is, Lord, <laughs> Jacob is so checked out at this point. I really pulled an Natalie Portman on Let this segment me of the show. Talk anyway. <laughs> so yeah, you, you wouldn't run TLDR. You wouldn't get the wrong type of person to run the wrong type of offense. So in Star Wars, I mean, it's been documented that George made a deliberate choice to go for more of not a, a method acting, but more of like a, a theater style of uh, directing and of having his actors portray the roles. And you would see people like Ian McDermott or Ewan McGregor who had backgrounds in this type of acting, who their performances stood out in this movie. Mm-hmm. And so you get someone like Natalie Portman, who maybe she was just in the wrong type of system. She like was in Kellogg's commercial. I don't know if that's true. We're talking about sports, Jake. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wheaties. You get the wrong type of actor with a director who runs a certain type of offense or a certain type style of movie, and you are going to have issues with those two jiving. And that's maybe a little bit George's fault for deciding to go with that and casting actors anyway who fit more into a method role. But that's 
my observation. I think that yeah, theory you're is, right. You're I think right. that theory is good because if you look at a lot of the smaller characters, the extras, you you might say people like um, uh, Co Bibble, Sio Bibble, something like that. The, the best guy, character in he, the movie. He is another. Um, Longtime theater actor. They were filming in London. They got a lot of actors just from that area. And if you're in London as an actor, you're probably a theater actor. Uh, a lot of those side characters are really good and and do their jobs well because that that makes sense. That you know he didn't have to do as much as he would have to do with a Jake Lloyd or a Natalie Portman or even a Liam Neeson. He's a little he's a little bland. And I love Qui Gon, but he's a little bland. Interesting. I like Liam Neeson a lot in this movie, actually. But I, I think that you're totally right. I think that, like Isaac was saying, like people who kind of understood what kind of movie this was and showed up, like did great, and we still enjoy their performances. I think that she was always kind of like, huh, and that like mm-hmm. never really. Although it's weird when you watch the, uh, is the beginning. Is that the name of the making of that's on the DVD? That's that's right. Um, we'll call it that. He, they're like they they show George Lucas like walking off of the first day uh, of filming with her, and he was like effusively praising it like she was just perfect. She was, so it was what he was looking for, I guess. Mm-hmm. Tough to say this this mystery. I mean, it's like the mystery of the Sith, except with Natalie Portman. The Sithery, and there's only one of her. <laughs> That's true, except Kira Knightley. Yeah, I, I stand corrected. I stand corrected. So let's. Let's jump ahead then. So the entire like escape from Naboo sequence, I think is really good. I think that's an underrated like segment of a of a Star Wars movie, uh, where you've got the Jedi's coming in. Jedi's, I mean, Jar Jar's kind of doing his thing uh, in the background. Jedi is just plural. There's no S on the end. Oh boy, should we check with Ryan Johnson on this? Please do. Um, you know, Jar Jar's being goofy in the background, but you got Qui Gon and Obi Wan swooping in, saving that crowd of people. They rescue the pilots. I love the interplay with Qui-Gon in that battle droid. I always love that, too. The music is great. And then I think that the ship escaping is a lot of fun. I think that's a fun segment of this movie that kind of goes underappreciated. Maybe not. I, <laughs> I, this is another where we're kind of back to the whole, like, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon against the droids. We're like, this is good. It's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's right? okay. Yeah, it's yeah. okay. I let's pick all the scenes that we give a hearty pat on the back and just go about our merry <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, I like though in general about this movie that because a common complaint about it is that if Anakin's the main character, we don't meet him until like twenty five minutes into the movie, which is kind of weird, or maybe more. I actually I didn't. It's a it's a long while. I think I it's more get, than twenty five. It might be thirty or yeah. forty even. Um, I think that's a cool thing about it. I think one of the things I like about this movie is that it's a really atypical way of telling a story. Um, it starts off a little New Hopey, where it just kind of dumps you in the middle of this conflict. You don't really know what's going on. It does introduce you to the main character a little later, but I think that the way it does it in this really circuitous way is kind of interesting. It's like a really arty, it's like the most expensive indie movie ever. The way it's kind of telling this weird story and you get to the main character 40 minutes in like in Psycho, you know. Um, I just think I think it's a cool aspect of this yeah, movie. That kind of speaks to a bigger thing. Like it's one of my observations about Star Wars in general and people's observations on that. How they might say that a character is underutilized or we take forever getting to a certain character or a character didn't have enough lungs. That's I think that kind of runs into like just the personal preference of the person watching the movie and their perception of how the movie should have been. 
like we'll get into it on our, on our uh, Force Awakens episode, presumably. Coming but soon. that's kind of the same thing with like a, a Captain Phasma-like character, like because she was on a lot of water bottles, like <laughs> people thought that she should have been in more scenes. Where like it's it, if it serves the story, then keep going. But if it doesn't, then I really don't care. And I was yeah, kind of that way with Anakin too. I mean, you you have to logically get to that point. You can't just have like two hours of Anakin in the corner of every single room of every scene <laughs> and somehow it's a better movie because the character the movie is about is in more like there's a whole like more is more thing it's like the the quality is what I'm after and people disagree on the quality of the prequels I don't think so <laughs> I so here's another question about acting performances um I want to say first of all that I like Natalie Portman and other things, just for the the record. But it's I too, it's too late now. You've dug yourself this hole. It's true. Sorry guys. Sorry Natalie. When she comes on. <laughs> I know she's listening, so I want to apologize to her. Um, what am I the only person who does not think that Jake Lloyd's performance is like the worst thing in the world? I think it's perfectly fine. He's, he's a kid. I think as a kid yes. actors go, it's a fine performance. I don't think that it's that terrible. Have you seen the behind the scenes stuff of of casting and yes, yes. Uh, I think I would have been happier just knowing the career, like knowing what I know if now. If the right kid was cast. If the right kid was cast, I think <laughs> yeah. I would like it more. But again, here's something I noticed at Celebration. We were all just at Celebration. We haven't talked about going celebration. to Celebration, guys. We were at Celebration, but not to not to get too far on Celebration. I, I don't think we needed a little kid Anakin in a movie. Um, mm. And George says they're movies for kids. And that Anakin is, you know, a kid can look at Anakin and put themselves in that place. Did you see a single kid dressed as Anakin from episode one at, at Celebration? Slam. Kids do not need a kid in a movie for for it to be someone they can relate to. And I think the whole, I, that's just an overall maybe thing, or maybe problem with, uh, with the Phantom Menace is I don't think we needed a little kid Anakin. Yeah, I've heard people bring that up before. I I will say this: as I was the age that Anakin was in this movie when I saw it, and Anakin was my favorite character. I thought he was the, the coolest. Like when at school, all the kids would play Star Wars in the playground, and it was always a fight to be who gets to be Anakin. Like Anakin was cool. Like and a lightsaber duel in the winter was Anakin. It was Obi Wan <laughs> versus Qui Gon. Right, violent lightsaber. I'm Anakin. <laughs> and so yeah, I. I, as a kid who was that old, did think I had that experience with Anakin as a character. Where I was like, oh, this is kind of now I can, I have a way into the story. Because prior to that, there is a lot of political machinations and it's a little hard to understand what's going on, um, even if you're an adult, <laughs> because some of it doesn't hold up to scrutiny. But the. Um, <laughs> but uh, as a kid, it was kind of like a cool moment, like, oh, cool. Now there's like a kid and he's being thrown into this new world too. And I, I liked it. And I think. I understand the the criticism of like why couldn't we just start off with teenage Anakin? It's it would have accomplished the same thing. But I really like in the grand scheme of things, I like having seen and having established that Darth Vader was really just a good kid. And I think that that would have been always a question: was what was his child like? Was he like? You know, was he just like a huge jerk and was experimenting with force choking people as a little kid? And it's like, no, he was just a good kid who made a lot of bad choices and yeah. becoming evil. And if we start with a 14 or 15 year old Anakin, speaking as three four, former 14 and 15 year olds, and I never was, as were many people, <laughs> he skipped those. He at least back one. Into the There's at least one at this table. And speaking from my experience, <laughs> when you were 14 or 15, you may not have been the sweetest. You may not have been at the point in your life where you were the the most adorable the most endearing that's just when like the sense of humor was developing and 
even to this day, you still may not be nearly as clever as you think you are. <laughs> sure and, the, why sure you the, look right at me when you uh, say that? I'm sure I've, the commenters will let us know. <laughs> like and subscribe, but um, <laughs> and rate on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. But How? the thing, like, we'll get into this on our Rebels episodes. But a lot of people seem to have problems with a character like Ezra Bridger, who's like a 17 year old. And I think that why a lot. You look of, at me when you said that. <laughs> Because you're the 17-year-old and 14-year-old this podcast. <laughs> but um, you get a character like Ezra who people have a problem with. And I think sometimes it's because he is a 17-year-old guy. And a lot of 17-year-old guys... are stupid. I'm even sorry. In, Yeah, even in real life, I have a lot of problems with 17-year-old guys. <laughs> it is realistic that Ezra is the worst. Yeah. <laughs> he would be anyway. If it was a live-action documentary, yeah, he would still like, kind of suck. Trying to make a 17-year-old guy likable is a tall task and narratively probably doesn't make a lot of sense so i think from that standpoint if you want to show anakin in his pure form no angst no real flaws at the moment you can see of course i mean no we know we know his flaws but you see the innocent little boy and even in just a few years after that you're gonna have like just the the normal teenage angst come up you're gonna start smelling and yelling (laughs) i don't don't know so that's where i'm coming from as far as like you want to get anakin in a state where we can sympathize with him and see him as like a pure little boy. And how could he turn into the genocidal maniac in a black suit? The problem is we don't really see how he does it. Cause then we skip forward 10 years and he's kind of bratty. And then we skip forward three years and he kills younglings. And, and I, I feel just... we don't get enough of the, of an arc there. He goes from um, annoying in a little kid way, maybe, but a likable kid. And I, back to Jake Lloyd, no problems with him. I think, what whoever got cast there was fighting a losing battle yeah um against adults who had grown up on star wars i don't think i don't think anakin was going to be liked as a little kid he no did star in the biggest movie since the onset of the internet age where yes. every adult could angrily yell at him yes. and tell him how terrible he was yeah isn't it weird that his life turned out really bad i can't i, I can't imagine why nobody that saw that one coming it's it's so sad though that whole thing is it's just a a tragedy because this movie did come out, and we, we we didn't talk about something that I really wanted to talk about, which was how We're this. About now. Yeah, maybe we can close out this episode Let's close with out, this and we, discussion. And then we can start on Tatooine with the right. next section. Absolutely. Ooh. And uh, little act two for you. Oh boy, it's Tatooine. What is this? Like a the tall, desert. Like a tall drink of desert. Ironic. The desert. Bring out we'll your, just keep saying the desert bring out over your and over moisture again. Vaporators. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of humor that you can look forward to on Grandma talking humor within the Star Wars universe that everybody can enjoy. So, th- going back to this internet reaction thing, I, I think that something we we failed to mention in setting up this movie, and that is is a failure on me as a human being. Ironic. As the host, <laughs> not really the host. Taking the range for this episode, we're gonna switch off the next one. No, oh, no. But the <laughs> I'm not saying that intro. I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> he backed down really easily from that. But you know, when the previous Star Wars movies came out, it was in a time where gauging the fan reaction to something was only through box office and whether people dressed up in costumes to go to the movie, whether they were talking about it outside of it. You know, it really was not the same thing. We had people on a Internet website. I just sound like an eighty-year-old. I said that. <laughs> Internet website. Uh, an Internet website. <laughs> um, that you know. Just a Facebook cost. Where instantaneously they can complain about something, and they didn't have 
you know, back then movie critics were actual movie critics. If you were a movie critic, you wrote for a newspaper or a magazine because you went to some kind of school and that was the movie critic. And you either would read the review in your local paper or you wouldn't. What happened eventually was then all these people came up and anybody could be a film critic and be an authority and everybody could get their opinion out there and say it loudly. But I think that that is, although this movie has a lot of flaws, I do think for sure that the reaction would be different if it had come out, you know, in 1985. Oh, absolutely. How do you feel about that, uh, Riley? I checked out for a little bit, but are you, are you saying people were dumber back then? No, no, I'm not saying that. I am <laughs> no, saying... No, I know. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Um, there was just less people being angry in public about movies. And I think that uh, applies to every single thing in life. Yeah, um, People like getting mad, and I'm guilty. I like getting mad. No, we don't! Things. <laughs> I like getting mad about things, too, and it's very wow. easy. That went, like, all the way up yeah, on no, the little bars right on there. our I'm recording gonna, gonna device. Had to do it at least back. once. We'd have to put a little compression on that, on that uh, yell. Um, Compressor. <laughs> no, I I agree. Um, I, I don't know if, if it would do better because it did pretty good uh, for when it came out, but it is a it is a lot easier for people to um, complain about things and then find a group and become the vocal uh, minority, perhaps, of how they feel about a movie. I mean, I still think you can look at the box office and for as many thousands of videos there are talking about how The Force Awakens is just a new hope and how much they hate it. That movie made a whole lot of money. And di- and uh, Star Wars is very big right now. And I think I think a lot of the hate is just coming from a smaller group of people than they would like to admit. I do want to be clear that we're not those people that think that, and I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but that the <laughs> that uh, like box office equals quality. That is not no, the case at all. Not. But But I think that I, I was really just trying to say that there wasn't the kind of mass, constant, like, oppressively in-your-face opinions of pop culture at the time. It was just, you saw a movie, you had an opinion about it, and nobody was really talking about it that much after yeah, the fact. There is, like, it's the internet kind of lends itself to almost like a, a, a opinion tug-of-war after a, a bit where it's like the the initial success and the initial reviews of a movie are kind of like the, the the pull from the positive side and then it's like almost the the more success that a movie has like once again we talked about the force awakens and i've even seen like we talked before like a movie like la la land even that came out and it's like it's it gets this initial wave of praise and then like the other side like it's there's this thing of wanting to be on the correct side of history and you want to say like in case this movie turns out to be actually bad 10 years from now i want to be on the right side of history and i need to be the one who writes the article for x blog who is writing the negative review of this and is pointing out all the things that is like that makes this pretend thing kind of fake like it's then you you start to get pedantic you start to get into the semantics all of your antics really pedantic semantic (laughs) yeah romantic (laughs) but yeah that's uh, that's really where i'm coming from though like on you really nothing is safe because they it's been well documented that when the phantom menace first came out it it had a, a wave of commercial praise critical praise all that sort of thing in a movie like titanic that had just come out a couple years before that it was at the time the made the most money worldwide of any movie ever and then it feels like today that it is almost like a source of character weakness if you like the romantic aspect of that movie or if you like that movie at all to say i mean 
so you get like that with like titanic with avatar with the force awakens if you like the coolest thing ever it's just like us in school when everyone liked the band that you liked like you had to go off and find the next band that no one had heard of until they heard of that band you just it was like continually running away from the things that you actually liked in an effort to find something that only you in your tiny little bubble of solitude enjoy it was just a it is a context that now is just the norm but this i think is probably the first pop culture event that was subject to the same kind of scrutiny that like the avengers is is you know open to where the age of ultron you know movie was like hey it's, it's good it's an avengers movie and then the fan reaction was like this is the worst thing that has ever happened in the history of America. And I'm going to be really angry about it and yell at Joss Whedon on Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Get on the Twitter. I don't know why I can't say anything Twitter-related without sounding, sounding like an old person today. But, yeah, I, I think I think that that is a significant thing about this yeah. movie in history. And I think what we're saying, too, it is like, as, like, no movie, no, no piece of art is exempt from criticism. No movie is exempt from the opinions of people that are completely valid. It is, like, I think what we're saying, though, is this, it is, like, it's we try to be wary of more of like this, when it deviates from actual criticism critique and it delves more into the entertainment aspect and how serious you should be taking the entertainment section of uh, critical review. Yeah. Like your uh, 10 reasons why rogue one is actually terrible type yeah. videos. Those, yeah. those kind of things are a little irritating. Whereas yeah. if somebody writes, some article about and why they don't like Rogue One. I will like happily read like, it. They're just baiting people to click on their uh, yes. Their title. They should like, come almost, up with a term for like, that. It's like clickbait or something. I don't know. <laughs> it's like if people are fish <laughs> and you're trying to put something on a hook to get them. And I don't know if there's a word for that. No, but yeah. I don't think so. Well, guys, for yet another week, this has been an incredibly tiresome episode of Grand Moff Talking. And I really just have to say, if I have to say anything at all, and I want to everyone to know this from the bottom of my heart that this really has been a delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic brought to you lovingly in bi-weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your host Riley possibly weekly that was actually Isaac (laughs) (laughs) we were so close to a good outro (laughs) bye